I am amazed by when women decide to take their one precious life back as their own. Like, she's like, I'm going to do it, you know, and she, and she did it. And I, that's what I live for. Welcome to the Healing Corner with Emily Tennyson. Here, Emily talks about how the power of nutrition, detoxification, spirituality, and tuning into our body's intelligence can help knock us back into emotional, physical, and spiritual alignment. Now, here's your host, Emily Tennyson. Hello, and welcome to the Healing Corner podcast. Perhaps you are a loyal follower of Chelsea Diane, the woman behind the poetry and the Instagram handle Poems and Peonies, or perhaps you are just learning of her today. Either way, you're in for a treat. You've probably heard of healers being defined as somebody who guides you back to yourself, and that is exactly what Chelsea does. Not only is she an extremely talented poet and author of the book Poems and Peonies, she is also the founder of the membership group Poems and Power, an international community of women focused on women writing their truth and waking to their power. I'm so interested in Chelsea's personal journey and how she has transformed her own life, which I believe uniquely qualifies her to help other women do the same. Today, we get into who and what she's currently teaching, remarkable student stories, how she's able to hold abundance, and what has opened up for her as she continues to do her work. This is done, of course, with all of the humor and fire and intelligence that you would expect if you're familiar with her. I'm so excited to have her here today. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the Healing Corner. Hi, I'm so happy to be here, Emily. <laughs> it's a long time coming. I'm so happy to have you on. And I'm like, still just, yeah, very, very excited to host you. I was thinking back, I think I started following you in 2020, like the year of the pandemic, when so many of us were home and craving connection and conversation with other women, especially. And I was so drawn to your account, like a moth to a flame. Like I just remember thinking, oh my God, this woman is going places and I love her <laughs> journey. I love it. And I speak um, as a creative person, you know, somebody who loved creative writing growing up and really um, is learning to self-express. And so um, it, it's fitting that, you know, you're the perfect teacher for that. So <laughs> I was like, um, very excited. And and in the fall, I began dreaming about you and I was so Oh excited. my God. Yes. So we, talk about this. we'll talk a little bit about it. So, um, I became connected with Chelsea just through DMing and as my podcast has evolved from speaking about like nutrition and detox and into spirituality, I noticed my intuition has deepened quite a bit. And so I remember seeing on your account that you would post like, oh, women from all over the world are having the same dream about me. And I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, how cool. You know what I mean? And um, to the point where like a psychic was like, you need to like buy some like selenite towers and put them next to your bed because you need some protection. You've been yeah. like busy in the astral realm. Yes. So anywho, yeah, I, I started dreaming about you and I told you um, about a couple of dreams about you and a former boyfriend and with a degree of accuracy. And so then we started chatting more and um, it was just like really fun and such an honor. So I was curious if you could talk about this experience of having women message you and be like, dude, you were in my dreams last night. Like, are there any remarkable stories that kind of stick out? Oh my God. So this, this actually started happening like um, about the, I, I'd say about maybe like three years ago. And it's still almost daily. 
that I have someone in my DM saying, Hey, you came to be a dream last night. <laughs> and every single, and every single one of them is something that I would do every single one of them. And it's very, it's very like in character. And so I started like, at first I was, you know, at first I, I studied, you know, dreams in medical school and subconscious and the yeah. unconscious. And, and so when people started doing this, I was like, Oh, you know, I, I started taking it with a grain of salt. Like, Oh, they just, um, we follow each other. They follow me. And so they, th- I am a part of them themselves, you know, in their dream world. And, and still let me, you know, maybe that's it. But then it started, it started happening that I wouldn't remember any of my dreams. Like when it got really intense, like for, you know, a couple of years, like I didn't remember any of my dreams and I would, and sometimes I would wake up and it was like, I had run a marathon and, but I was like, always feeling really amazing when I woke up. Like, like I just, it felt like after you've been with, (laughs) this is going to sound so trippy, but like after you've been with girlfriends for like a weekend or something, like completely infused with like love and beautiful energy, like you're, and another interesting thing is like people that follow me that um, have like some weird energy or bad energy, never dream about me. And they'll even keep messaging me and they'll be like, I have this intention to dream about you. And I can't, it's like only people that like, were really connected. <laughs> I'm like, really want to visit. It's so interesting. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, my higher self, like really wants to hang out with these people, you know? And the, the more interesting thing I think of all is people say that like, I either, I gave them a note and told them to come to class, or I said, you need to get your shit together, step into your power. Like, you know, gave them a message, like yelling at them, like, and yes. it's what I do. Right. But I also, what I, what is actually more interesting is how all these women like saved me. And so, um, I was going through a brutal divorce at the time and I, um, didn't know how to pay my rent with my kids. I would, and I wasn't, I hadn't started working. This was a few years ago. And I was like, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, um, I started praying and I was like, okay, God, so you need to fix this. And I need hundreds of women to come to my class. Like this is really important because I need to pay my mm-hmm. rent. And then the literally after I say this prayer, the next day, a woman messages me and she's like, um, I got, had a dream last night and that a letter came to me and it said, go to Chelsea Diane's class, which oh sounds my God. Like, like being manipulative in the astral world. But I don't know. It, but really, like <laughs> I, I, I helped her, too. So it's cool. But I, I was like, oh, my God. And I was like fucking around somehow in the dream world in the subconscious space. And I really believe that something was going on there because then hundreds of women got invitation. And this woman had was not following me. She had never heard of me. She said she Googled Chelsea Diane because it was on the letter from her dream, found me, went to my Instagram and then signed up to my, for my class. And wow. Like, I can't make this shit up, you know? And no, so that- it's magic. It was really these women that were saving me through the dream world. So it was just like this really interesting, and I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm just going to sleep and that's all. But um, <laughs> the selenite towers and I did do that because she's like, you need protected, even though I don't know, I feel I've always felt my whole life. Like I have a league of angels all around me protecting me. Mm. I, I'm, not, I'm not scared. Like I feel everywhere I go, I have like 
a league of angels. In fact, when this one time I went to the psychic and she's like, they can't even get in the door. You're going to have to leave. Like they can't get, it's so packed full in here. These angels. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel them, but I felt them since I was a child. And anyway, but yeah, the dream, the, the dream world stuff. I'm just like, I am all about it. And really, I think that the women who come to my class, it's like, they think I'm great, but really it's like my angels, like really it's this league of angels. It's with me that like, when they come to class, they're like cheering them on. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think they really feel. And maybe like our angels hang out. Steiner, I was reading his translated lectures the other day and it was like, you recognize people and like really vibe with people because your angels know each other. Mm, And it's like, how beautiful is that? Like you and I, like just hanging out, like our angels are hanging out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, we should uh, get these two together. Yeah, exactly. So good. I love it. I just yeah. love thinking about the world in new and different ways. And yeah. Yeah. I came across just this morning, this really beautiful quote from the American music producer, Rick Rubin. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Of course. He lives in Malibu. Oh, does he? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he says expression lights up different parts of the brain, giving you access to more of yourself. And I thought that was so beautiful, that articulation. I think that so many of us are seeking that, right? And essentially all these women that are coming to your classes. And yeah, will you share maybe a few like remarkable stories of women who have come to be in your class and have really changed their lives or just, you know, helped themselves through it? Totally. So... One that really, I mean, one that really stands out to me is there was this young girl and she's still in my classes. She's, she's amazing, an amazing writer, but she was working at, at the time she was working at a grocery store, I think Ralph's in LA. Okay. And she um, had like a crazy abusive boyfriend um, terrible situation at home. Her mother was addicted to drugs. I mean, it was, it was really intense. And, um, somehow she found my poetry classes and she was taking a class and I, and, um, she read her poem and I remember she was in her car on the little zoom screen and she, um, had her little headphones in and she read a poem in her car that like brought me to my knees. And I, and I looked at her and I said, you're going to win a Pulitzer. Like you, you are extremely talented and you have an incredible gift. And she just starts bawling, you know? And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm on my break and I'm actually, I'm late for work. I have to go back and I'm working at a grocery store and I'm just coming out here to read my poem for your class. And, um, and she worked every day of the week. So she would let any time I had class, she was at work. And so she was in her car and I'd always be like, let her go first, you know, and she'd read her poem and every woman in the class would just be bawling. Cause she's lived such, I mean, she just had such uh depth because of the pain that she survived. Mm-hmm. And also um, she had such access to her core and her deepest truth that the way that she plucked it out and was able to put in poetry, I was amazed by it. So one day, she gets in her car and she reads her poem and I go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, you, you work at, you work at Ralph's. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? And she's like, I want to write. Um, that's all I want. And I was like, where, where do you want to write? And she says, 
And she like starts crying and she's like, I can't. And I was like, you're going to say it in front of all these women. You're going to say it. And she said, Paris. And I said, okay, here's what you're going to do. I was like, you are not allowed to come back to my class until you've applied to at least six schools in Paris. And I literally within, I don't know, 12 hours, I have in my inbox, all these like, please send a letter of recommendation. Please send a letter of recommendation. She was on it. And I, and I did, um, she got in to one of the best writing schools in Paris and she's still there. And she, she moved to Paris. She's writing. She fell madly in love with this Parisian boy. They're probably going to be married someday. They live together. They (laughs) write, they travel. She's like, full on she's learned she's fluent in French she's writing every single day and she started she's like I want to do what you do I want to start you know gathering people and have classes so she's gathering women in her living room and they're like watching my classes on zoom and then doing their own classes and she's doing so she's like making a living I I mean I you can't make this shit up like this is like I am amazed by when women decide to take their one precious life back as their own. Like, she's like, I'm going to do it, you know? And she, and she did it. And I, that's what I live for. My gosh. You know, Chelsea, you're one of like the few artists I've had on my show. And um, it's such a gift because my, one of my good friends, who's a psychic and um, I've had her on here. She was saying like a healer is somebody that like shifts energy and like, that's what this girl needed. She needed like some shifting and for someone to like believe in her and only you could make that happen. Right. And so I, I just think that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. What do you feel like in your own life has helped you similarly, right? Up level, whether it's a person or a resource and expand into new areas of yourself. Oh, that's a great question. I will say more than, more than anything, number one is pain. That's, that is a direct access to the level up. And now I know by now I know I'm like, every time it comes, I'm like, here we fucking go. You're (laughs) really level up because this hurts like hell. This one hurts like hell. So here we go, you know? And so I, yeah, it's like, and not always, right? Like pain can come and you can choose, you can easily choose to close instead of to, oh, for me, up-leveling, all that means direct translation is opening your heart. So for me, I'm like, every time, like for me, it's not like, oh, I have an up-level because I'm making 10 grand more this month or whatever. But for me, it's, I have an up-level energetically because money is just energy too. It's like, because my heart is opening more. And so number one is pain. Number two is travel. Um, when I travel, I'm, I'm channeling and I'm teaching these power, really powerful women and I'm expanding my Verizons, um, expanding my perspective, expanding my education, expanding my art, expanding in every single way, every single time I travel. And so much so that I've become addicted to it. I used to only go out of the country once a month, but now I've been doing it um, two, sometimes three times. And I, I, yeah, it, it's like, 
every single time my heart just opens more and expands more and I can let more light in and more love in and I have more capacity to hold and I, yeah, travel, travel. And Mm -hmm. of course, at the same time that I'm traveling, I'm reading. So maybe that's number three too. Um, Reading the words of the strong women that have come before me, Um, reading their words, tapping into their energy. I mean, that is massive up-leveling every single time I do it. You're just coming off of teaching Anne Frank from Amsterdam, which is incredible at the time of this recording. (laughs) Yes. Like I mentioned, I've been following you for a couple of years and I've enjoyed all of the women that you have talked about teaching, right? Like Dolly Parton comes to mind. That's like, (laughs) I can't listen to like Jolene or even like a cover of it down the street at a bar without thinking of you in your classes and being like, so happy. Dolly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And you know, Dolly of course has like important things to say and she's very impactful. However, moving from teaching a singer to then moving into like Anne Frank and Joan of Arc feels like a big shift. (laughs) And I'm just, I'm just so curious, like if you could talk about the differences between that wasn't in the plan. That wasn't, that wasn't my plan. And it was the best plan. It was the best plan, but that was not, and that was not my plan. Um, so last month I am in, so I, I, you know, last year I taught, you know, I taught Safo from Greece. I taught Annie Sinan from Paris. And I went and taught Virginia Woolf from Rome, Dolly Parton from Nashville. Then we taught Joni Mitchell from the Chelsea Hotel in New York City, where she lived. They taught Stevie Nicks. And then we taught Cher. Who else? Like we, you know, lots of people. And um, then I went and taught Frida Kahlo. And Frida Kahlo, when I went and taught Frida Kahlo in December, that was a major shift for me. And um, something happened when I was in Koyakon. I was staying like right next door to her house and it was a house that she had stayed in. And there was actually a black and white photo of her and Diego on the nightstand where I slept. And I fell asleep the night before I was supposed to teach her from that house. And I had a, I guess it was channeling. Um, it, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. I call it, it was like a dream, but it was very real. And it was the same room. I mean, she was sitting at the end of my bed when I woke up and Ooh. I, yeah. And I, 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 I don't, but I wasn't really awake, you know, it was like this kind of like sub like dreamscape type thing. Yeah, and exactly. And I, it was like one or 2 AM and I woke up and and this is like no tequila. Like I am sober, you know, like I'm getting ready to teach the next morning. And um, anyway, and she's sitting at the edge of my bed and I'm like, oh my God, um, hi. And I had like extreme intense pain down my spine to where all of a sudden when I saw her, like to where like I start tearing up and like my, and I never have pain ever. And I was in like, like so much pain that I like rolled over. I remember I sat up and then I rolled over to my side and was kind of in the fetal position. And she was so loving, but in the dream, she came to me and she was like, you're feel, you have to feel my pain because I'm right here. And her spine was broken. Like, I don't know, 200 times. She had several surgeries in her life 
And because of that accident that she had and she was disabled and I was like, oh my God. And she's like, you're going to feel this just until I'm done talking to you. And as soon as I leave, I promise you'll be fine. And, and I had complete peace. It wasn't scary. She was like full of so much light, but she's like, this is just how it's going to be. But also had this attitude, kind of like my attitude in the world. Like it was kind of like tough love. Like this is what you're going to do. And you're not going to fucking argue about it. You know? And I was like, I was like, okay. And, um, she's, she said, she explained a lot of things to me about, um, my marriage, which was, which I can talk about later if you want. It was really amazing and healing. And then she told me too, um, she said, these are, this is what you're going to do with 2023, which was not my plan. I was actually thinking about (laughs) stepping away from teaching just a little, I love teaching, but, and I was going to like finish this book and like do all this, you know, and she's like, no, honey. Um, And she, she said, this is what you're going to do. And these are the women that you're going to teach. And um, she told me every single woman. And then she told me where they lived. And I listened to, I remember sitting there listening and then I fell back asleep and the pain went away she left. And the next morning I woke up and it was so intense. And I thought, was that a dream or not? Or, you know, and, um, I was actually feeling really and no pain, I had no pain at all. And I was feeling really sad. Like I started crying. Cause I was like, I remember thinking like, why didn't I write those women down? <laughs> this is really important, you know? And I was like, like, like deeply sad. Um, And I took, I walked to breakfast, um, in the little village and I found a place and I sat down and I get on my notes, my phone to like write down this experience and I click on my notes and every single woman was written down on the notes of my phone right beside. And I had written it like that night, I guess, while I was sitting there with her and every single woman was written down. And then the, the city like that I was supposed to go to. And it was interesting because Anne Frank was written down third and, Um, I didn't even know, I'm ashamed to say this, but that Anne Frank was in Amsterdam. I I figured Germany, you know, she was born in Frankfurt, but I didn't, I didn't know that and things like that where Amsterdam. And so I, I Googled it sitting down there where it was Anne Frank. Um, and it said Amsterdam. And I was like, holy shit. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This this is next level. Um, so I'm going to book all of these and I'm going to do everything that she said. And the first one she said was Joan of Arc. And so on the list. And so I booked a flight the next week and um, the day after Christmas, I had Christmas here with my babies. And then I, um, they were at their dad's for a week. So I went to Paris and then I went up to Rouen where she was executed and where she was born and all the villages and had a pilgrimage for Joan. And that cracked me open in ways that, I mean, that was an incredible pilgrimage and trip. And then um, Patty Smith was next, which I thought was interesting. I was like, I wonder why Patty Smith, but, um, I love her writing, but then I saw, um, Patty Smith's poem the next, the next day after I taught her class, I went to Casa Azul cause that's when I had my ticket and I had to buy them ahead of time. And there was Patty's poem written on the inside of Frida Kahlo's house in the garden. So they're like, deeply- incredible. And then I went to, um, yeah, Anne Frank and, um, you know, I would never, I would never have on my own taught a little girl, you know, never even thought. And, um, 
I'll just tell you this story because it's my one of my most precious stories. On the way to teach last week, on the way to Amsterdam to teach Anne Frank, I get out my copy of my diary of Anne Frank, which I had when I was a little girl. And my mother had bought me at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And I haven't spoke to my mother. She's like, she's a very, very Christian. And we just didn't align in a lot of things. And I felt like it was holding me back. And um. But it's like, it was one of the greatest heartbreaks of my life, not speaking to my mother. And I was smelling the pages of this book. And you know how smell brings you back places more than anything. And oh, yeah. I remember my, and it smelled like my mother and my mother's house and the house I grew up in. And I start like, I just break open on the plane and I'm sobbing. And the stewardess yeah. comes up to me and she's like, are you okay? I was like, no, <laughs> no. And so no, I, I'm, not. I'm yeah. not, I'm not okay. And I start writing and I wrote, you know, the entire 12 hour flight. I wrote, like just started writing. I didn't sleep a wink and I, it just poured and poured and poured for me. And my heart opened like more than it's open. And I'm like, oh shit, I have to send this to my mother. Fuck. And um, I did and healed that relationship. And we're great. And we've been writing love letters back and forth to each other. Oh my gosh. Chelsea. And it's been amazing. so amazing. And then, so Anne Frank, here it is. Here's the copy. And oh, oh this is oh the one. That, look at the old bookmark from when, like. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> I love from the love. 90s. Yes. And so, yeah, I really, um, I mean, she just she completely opened my heart and yeah 10 minutes before the class cuz i spent a few days in amsterdam exploring before i taught in 10 minutes before i taught the class i decided i don't know what my mom's going to say like she might be like i never want to talk to you again so i don't know i mean that that's an option and i knew that I couldn't teach this class, no, like reading that email. I didn't know which way it was going to go. And here hundreds of women were going to be on a call and I had to be prepared. And so I hid my email off my phone for the whole day. And 10 minutes before the class, a woman said, can you please check your email? I'm not getting the Zoom link. And so I check my email 10 minutes before, and there is a letter from my mother, an email, long email from my mother. And I clicked on it and um, it was so beautiful and just so loving and, you know, like broke me up. And so I'm, I get on the zoom call with like 300 women sobbing. Like I'm like crying (laughs) and I'm like, okay, here's what's going down. I'm just going to tell you what's going down. And then like, there were so many women after that class, because I was like honest and raw and like, that's what I'm supposed to do to show up and tell them what's going on. And um, that we're like, um, and I told them how Anne had opened my heart, you know, and so many of them are like, I'm, re- I'm going to call my brother. I'm going to call my mom. I'm going to call my dad. I'm like, gosh, so much healing, the web of healing that happened from that class because of Anne, because of her. Mm-hmm. Um, like you are getting as much or potentially more healing from teaching these classes. Yes, than- yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you feel as though like, well, I mean, it's obvious to me that you're quite a catalyst for women who are coming to see the living example of opening your heart, of being vulnerable, of reaching out. And then, as you said, a web and like the trickle effect out into the world. 
is just really beautiful to hear. So thank you for that reflection. <laughs> thank you. It's my favorite. <laughs> and it's also helping you really feel into your power, I imagine, yes. because you oh. have felt the depths, right? Of yes. despair. And then the highest highs of like, oh my God, I'm repairing this relationship that's so dear to me. And, and uh, will you talk a little bit about that? I would love to. Really what came to me when you were talking was how the definition, how my heart defines power now is so different from how it used to. Mm. And um, I, I tell women all the time, I understand, and that's good too. And it's essential because I, the, the image that always comes to me is like this line I wrote one time and it was like, I had to make fists to climb these walls. And I did. And so a woman that's climbing and like really reclaiming her life is going to look like this to the world. It's going to look like both of her fists are up and she, you have to, to climb, you have to, to climb your walls, to get to the top of the mountain, to scale it. And especially if you've got three cubs on your back, like I did, you know, it's like, I'm not letting go. And I have like reclaiming my life as my own. Right. And I, I looked like I had fists and Women understood it, but men, men really kind of didn't, I felt like. And they were like, oh, she's angry or she's, and I'm like, I, yeah, yeah. Anger is the greatest. <laughs> I am fucking angry. And anger is the greatest tool for change there is, you know? And like, as soon as I got to the top of my, you know, and of my mountain, I was able to then like, uh, unfurl and like my, my hands could become so soft and open, but until then I had to make fists and it looked like I had fists. And I tell every woman that like, I am never worried ever about a woman who comes to me with her hand in fist. The other day, a woman sent me her poem and I said, Oh my God, this is gorgeous is what my response was. And she's like, fuck you. I don't want to be fucking gorgeous. I want to be strong. I want to be this. I want to be this. And I was like, Okay. You know, like, but that didn't scare me away. Like at all. I'm like, you're doing it. You're fucking climbing your walls. And I, I, I saw her fists, right? She was just like, fuck you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. Right. And, and like, it just doesn't scare me, I guess. Like a woman with, fists, <laughs> I'm like, it actually turns me on. So that's the difference. <laughs> I, I love a woman with fish. She's climbing her wall. And so I guess my definition of power is changing that way. Like now, yeah, I can see softness as power, but that's privilege because I don't, I'm not, I'm not actively climbing right now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, oh, right totally. now. And like people, when I was actively climbing, nothing pissed me off more when people were like, you just need to soften. Like, fuck you. I could never have gotten to where I was today if I didn't have fists and if I didn't fight and if I didn't climb. So totally, I, I just want to, you know, be really honest about that. And I also want to be really honest about, um, like after, you know, after I did like, oh, it's such a privilege. It's so beautiful that now I'm able to be like, Oh, let's get really soft and heal everything. You know what I mean? Like I totally couldn't at the time. So I get it. Right. And you know, perhaps this is like a summit, right? Like you have climbed and climbed and climbed, and now you are at a summit where you can, as you said, unfurl, relax, like have perspective, you know, and like allow things to come in. We never stop stop growing. Exactly. So there will be perhaps another climb and it will look different. Totally. That's just part of the journey. <laughs> I, I, love, I love that as the summit. I, 
I guess what I meant by um, getting to the top, and I actually did, is a divorce with three Mm -hmm. children. And that's something that in this lifetime, I know for me that I won't have to do again. And um, that particular climb and that particular transformation is what I'm now on the other side of. And that feels that feels so good. And that was, you know, I thought at the time, I'm like, oh, this will take a couple of years. You know, no, that this started when I was 28 and ended when I was like, what, 33, 34. I mean, that was six years. It was really, it was so intense. (laughs) I can only imagine. I'm not saying we were like battling in court for that long. I'm just saying like all of it, you know, from, from the, from the moment of like separation or even the thought, right. Of separation. Yes. Yes. To, to, um, realizing like really solidifying my independence and my own foundation and building it myself. Um, yeah, it was, it was a total death. Yeah. I can only imagine, I mean, what that even would begin to look like for somebody. I've never experienced that myself. However, I can only imagine it's like a lot of a few steps forward and a bunch of steps back. And like, you're, it's not linear. I could imagine it's just kind of like organic all over the place. Like, and there's new surprises every day, you know, where you're like, Oh, okay. I, you know, I have to look at that and I have to heal that. And Oh my God, it's so enmeshed and it's so entangled. And it's, there's so much healing. Um, and so many things to look at and yeah. 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 So that, that's what I mean by understanding. And that's another part of it. Like understanding you talked about earlier initiations and um, I, I really feel like all of that pain has become my medicine Mm. and all of it, what all of it was initiations, every bit of it. It's like, okay, do you think that you can hold space, you know, for a woman in your class, that's going to have an outburst about whatever. Um, No, you can't until you've been through it. So we're going to put you through it, Chelsea. And I was like, fuck. Every time there wasn't a single time. There literally was not a single time that I was like, Oh, I accept this with grace. I was like, I was like really fucking angry. Oh, for sure. Well, and I mean, I even think about too, like your experience on the plane with Anne Frank and, and smelling the book and everything. It's like, I'm sure you were not expecting that to be part of your journey and reaching out to your mother. I mean, it's like, um, those kind of surprises where you're like, wait, 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 no, no, no. I'm in control. And then it's like, no, 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 you're not. This is, this is the lesson that's happening. Yeah. That's so true. No, I was like, I was in my little business class. I had my little slippers on. They were bringing, (laughs) I literally had a movie queued up. I was like, let's do this. We're going to live it. I was like so excited. And I was like, I think I, like, before I got on the plane, I like put this story up where I was like jamming to it, still rock and roll to me, like Billy Joel. I was like on the top of my ego game. And then I was like, fuck, we're going to look at your (laughs) taken down. Yes. Yeah. Um, my gosh. Well, we're willing, right. Are we willing to look at this shit when it comes up, because there's, it's a very real thing too. I will say that I could have passed that up. I could have been like, Nope, not looking at this right now, putting it away, like wiping my tear away and putting on the movie. Like there, 
there is like, I talk to my women about being an on and unstoppable train. And I believe that we get on if we choose to get on unstoppable trains and then we just keep saying yes to growth from the Mm -hmm. universe and what, Mm -hmm. and whatever that means. And, Mm -hmm. um, there's no getting off that train. And once you get on, you are on and people can't hold on and they get really, really sad because it feels like holding on to an unstoppable train when some people step in front of it and they get flattened. Um, it's just, that's, but, you know, and I'm not saying that there are other, there are other people that will, you'll align with, but they're on their own unstoppable trains, right? They're, they're right. kind of parallel, but nobody's hanging on and it's just not going to work. And um, it's a commitment that we make to choose our growth and mm-hmm. um, it's and surrender to whatever it looks like, right? That. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that this journey of divorce and separation took six years, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. And you're on the other side of it now. Yes. And you have three children, the loves of your life. What, as you've grown and like healed through all of this, what changes in them do you notice are reflected back to you as you've grown and changed yourself, if anything? Mm. You know... I believe that our energy as mothers is like, I, I l- kind of liken it to Caesar Milan. Remember the dog whisperer? Yes. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. I love that guy. The dog whisperer. Remember how he would like correct the energy of the dogs that like, like, like instantly like going. Okay. So that's our power as mothers. And I, I feel like when my energy is shit, then my dog's biting, right? Like it's, that's what it, that's what Caesar Milan taught. He's like, that's the energy of the person when they walk in the room. And he was doing this in the nineties. I remember watching all these shows and like, nobody <laughs> did this shit yet. And like, it's so true. Caesar Milan is my guru. Like yeah. I, I totally like I, when I walk in the house and, and I like, my energy is fucked. Like my kids like start acting up and their energy's fucked and they're sad and blah, blah, blah. My kids have now, like, we've talked about this so much that they'll be like, mom, my energy was great. And you walked in and you're kind of messing with my energy. And I'm like, yeah. I love, oh yeah, I love it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm going to go take a salt bath and mommy's going to get right. And then the whole house gets <laughs> yeah. And that, that really, I will lock myself in the bathroom until, cause I don't want to vomit on my children. I don't want no. to their energy and they come home with shitty energy sometimes from school or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I, I'm, I guess my best tools of mother is how aware I am of how I can shift the inner, their energy. And absolutely. I'm really good at it. I'm really good at it. I can like hit it and shift it within a few seconds, you know? And it's like that, that is the most, I think that's the kindest thing we can do for our children. I agree. I think nobody told me before I came, became a parent that like, we are the thermostat of like our family's home and like the heart of the heart of our family. Right. It's like you set the temperature in the room. And if you choose to not take ownership of that, like 
you are missing a huge opportunity. And so I self-regulation is like this like hidden secret of like being a good parent. It's like, it's like the number one thing. It's the number one thing. And nobody told me this. And I learned, and I learned it, like you said, like by witnessing my, from my children, I learned it from my children. And then I remember, and I remember too, like, um, like frequently my kids will be like, they don't want to go over to other people's houses. Um, they want everybody to come to our house. Cause they're like, and my daughters will be like, the energy is just better here. And I'm like, Oh my God, you sound like, so like new agey hippie California, but it's, I love it. We're really full of love and me like really. And then they'll like, they're, they're just, they're so, they're so magical and so sweet and very, they're very, um, my kids are very, in tune. They're extremely sensitive. Um, and yeah, like I, um, when I, I guess they're, yeah, they definitely are the thermostat when, whenever they, you know, I hear something going on in there, they, and they also like, sometimes they just need us to insert our energy. Like that it'll be like, I hear that they're like, you know, having a fight out in the living room and I, I just walk in the room and it ends, you know, and it's, and they, so they really just wanted my energy in there, you know? Yes. That's yes. Really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Yeah. As- it's, I think a lot about that with my son, um, who's six. He's, mm-hmm. I feel like everyone at the age, right. Is just so, um, intuitive anyways, but yeah. like, you know, just like energetically sensitive and, um, very similarly, my husband and I have to like check ourselves and because they are just little barometers for like what's happening with mom and dad or with mom or whatever, and a beautiful reflection. And I can imagine that they have, or will someday talk to you about like your transformation and just how amazing it is to have a mom who's like very in tune with what's happening and pursuing her dreams. Oh, yeah. yeah, they that is, they are my, they're my absolute greatest gift. I don't share them on my Instagram, but it's only because they're so sacred. You know, it's like oh, this, for sure. this is, this is um, my, my greatest, greatest, greatest. And it's why I do. They are why I pursue mm-hmm. my dreams because if I don't, they'll never, they'll never know how. You know? They won't know how to do it. Right. I know that, on June 1st of last year, you published your first book <laughs> called Poems and Peonies. The most beautiful, the most beautiful thing. And you even climbed to number one on the charts on Amazon in poetry. And I love this beautiful review. Quote, Chelsea's book just arrived and already her pages are burning through my hands. Every poem <laughs> making me holler, every line a prompt demanding I sit and write my own hurricane. Oh. As you- As you reflect eight months later, what has surprised you about the process or the result of having written something and have it now in the hands of women all over the world? Mm. One of the, one of the biggest things was I didn't realize how alive she would come. Like she, (laughs) she, um, it's like, it's kind of been like a journal. Like she, she's different for everyone 
you know, that she arrives to. And like, she just, she really breathes where these women are like, oh my God, I found a gold leaf inside when she arrived. And that was a sign of my grandmother's bubble. I'm like, what? So like just this form of like, she's, I, I really, um, think that anytime any of us write our truth, our truest true. And even if it's hard truth, um, when we write our truest truth and we give it to the world and we dig deep enough to pull out that pearl that's inside all of us, which is universal oneness and pluck it out and put it in front of our eyes. And every single person will say me too, me too, me too, and relate to it. And because, um, it's the same love and, um, inspiration and creative channel that and force that's found in every single living being. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that, and also that just how great it feels to, um, give something to the world and then let it be. I, I, I haven't looked back in my book since I published it because it, it doesn't, you know, it's not in my house really. It's like, I just, I think I have one copy like, but it's like, just, you know, give it to the world. And then just, it clears, it's like a portal that clears space for me to now write, um, new things from where I am now, you know, and right. which is totally different. I, from when I wrote that book, it's yeah. It's, well, can you give us a clue as to what you're currently working on? <laughs> yes. I I'm finishing a novel right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. I'm, yeah. I'm finishing a novel that is very exciting, very fun. And um I yeah, I'm I'm really excited to give it to the world when yeah. when hopefully this year. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Okay. <laughs> so then years ago when you started your Instagram account and made this promise to yourself, like I'm going to publish a poem or write a poem every single day for a year. Did you ever imagine that you'd be working on your second book, like from California, having been in the Midwest for years and years? I mean, did you, had you held this vision for yourself or has it evolved? Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I, I did imagine this. I, um, when I, I saw my diary the other day from when I was, I mean, I I've wrote almost every single day since I was four years old and I have most of them stacked up in my closet, but I found an old, old diary from right after I had cancer when I was 12 and I, um, stage four melanoma. And I wrote a list of everything I wanted to do like before I died and reasons why I wasn't going to die, right? Like the, I'm, I have to do all of this um, before I leave this earth and I have to kiss a boy. And I, you know, it's like, I, I had already kissed girls. It's like, I have to kiss a boy. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like this list of stuff that I um, had to do before I left the earth. And I had to have kids. I had to have my babies. They were on the list. And um, I even knew the name of, my daughter, Clara, Diane, that's, yeah, I, I knew like I wrote, and this is at 12 years old, everything I wrote down that had to happen. And, um, one of the things I said was I have to live by the ocean and I have to see the world and I have to write books, you know? And, um, I, I knew that all of this was going to happen. Even as a young, young girl, I knew 
um, that this was my path. And um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because one of the things um, actually, yeah, so specific, some of the things that I said, like, I'm going to um, be an artist or a teacher that heals. And I said that, and then I said, or maybe a doctor, which is funny that I was like, eh, maybe a doctor because <laughs> I, I, that's what happened. So it's exactly what right. I did years of med school and then quit medical school and then went and got degrees in 18th century Brit lit and creative writing. And yeah, so it's like my higher self knew even as a little kid. And so I think we should really listen to our children when they tell us mm-hmm. who they're going to be and who they are, because they know who they are more than, than when the world is added and told them who they are and they have to strip all those legs off, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I remember you once mentioning that you would gather books of ancient, not ancient, but antiquated, right? Writers just like yeah, show you. books, right? I want to see. Yeah. The, this is them. I still have every single one of them. Oh my gosh. Look at these bookshelves. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I still have every single one of them. So yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And it sounds like they were your lifeline as a little yeah. girl. Like they were, in, they were allowed in your house. You were able to read them and um, you still have them, obviously. Um, are there ones that you are revisiting now or mm-hmm. even just living artists, like living writers that yeah. you are super inspired by in this moment? Oh, I love that. I, you know, I, I love eight, 18th century Brit lit. That's my degree. And that's what I love um, more than anything. And um I also do you, a, do you have a sense for why, why you love that period of time so much? So I know, I mean, I know that I've had lives like where I was like a scribe in past lives. And I also know that um, when I would go to estate sales, antiquated things were considered holy and my mother was very Christian. And so she would only allow me to buy stuff yeah. for so as a young kid, that's all I could read, you know? So that's all I was, there was the Bible or it was that and little, did you know, I was reading, you know, Les Miserables and like about revolutionaries and war. And I was reading, right. and, you know, I was reading, um, Weathering Heights and I was reading, you know, Jane Eyre, these, these stories of women that were just like saving themselves. And, um, uh, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, like I, 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 I was reading all of these, uh, stories of powerful women, even little women, Louisa May Alcott. I mean, that's oh, yeah. powerful. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, and I would read that to my mother and while she cooked every night and I, I would sit up on the counter and read to her and yeah, I, so yeah, I think that's why too. From yeah. What I was Just memories, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But right now I'm revisiting, um, I'm revisiting Les Miserables, Victor Hugo, which I absolutely love. I've read so many times. And my cat, Cosette, Cozy, is named after. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that it was named, but it's a she, right? Or yes. Cosette? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I didn't realize she was named after that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I also love, I'm reading, uh, I'm really interested in the Mayans. And so I've, I've visited most of the Mayan temples. I'm reading a lot of books on the Mayans and, um, and what, what else, what else is over there on my coffee table? Um, 
Yeah, I just finished teaching um, Joan of Arc. So I was reading her letters, which mm-hmm. are phenomenal. Are they? like amazingly written. I mean, this is a teenager (laughs) who saved France, you know, and she's writing like, you boys better get your shit together or me and God are going to come burn down all your entire city. So make it like 16, right? 16. Yeah. yeah, And shooting arrows with these beautiful, eloquent, powerful as fuck letters into the city on a bolt, you know, it's like incredible. Incredible. I love the like the fact that Frida has like recommended these women to you. I mean, I don't know that Anne Frank, she has a different energy, perhaps, but like sort of this irreverence for oh, like Anne Frank is complete irreverence. Like okay, her, good. yeah, right. no, she's like that's what's crazy. Like she's got the exact same spirit, sassy as fuck, takes no bucks. She was like her teacher was like made her write it because she talked in class all the time, and she was like, I'm going to keep talking because I want to talk. And, and he was, she was like, he was like, you're going to, you're going to write an essay called quack, quack, Mr. Chatterbox or whatever. And she, so she wrote her essay on why it is that she should continue talking and all the greatness. <laughs> that She's 12 years old. And then, and then he says, that's unacceptable. You're going to stand in front of the class and you're going to read the next one. You're going to write a new essay. So she make the next one, she makes into a poem and makes it rhyme. Oh my God. I love this. She's, I, I mean, this is who we're talking about here. Like it's okay, so fierceness and power. And it's, yeah. it's interesting because it's, um, it's so you from, it's you know, it is you. And so, okay. So you've taught, if I'm correct, three of the so people on, on Frida's list. Yes. Um, are you willing to give us a hint as to who or what destinations may be next? Oh my God. Yes. I'll just tell you, you'll be the first person to even know. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. We're going to Alexandria, Egypt, and I'm teaching Cleopatra. Oh my God. Chelsea. That's amazing. Wow. Who's <laughs> next on the list? Cleopatra. Is she, was she a writer? I mean, yes. did she have like, like text? Oh my God. An incredible okay. writer, um, orator, um, queen. Um, she spoke like 50 languages. I mean, like we're talking wow. one of the most brilliant, powerful women um, that died um, for her cause and for her people. I mean, she's. This is incredible. Yeah. She's awesome. So have I've you been to Egypt before? Never. Never either. Yeah. So we're going to, yeah, I'm going to do the whole Giza Cairo thing. And we're going to do Alexandria. I always say work. Cause it's like me and ladies, I always go alone, you know that, but <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. No, I understand. Yeah. Wow. What a trip. How long will you be in that area? Um, I think I'm just going to do a week and come okay. back. Cause I have to pick up the babies from school. <laughs> yeah. It's actually like, it's not, I mean, sounds like a nice container. You're sort of like, all right, I have this many days. Totally. So the most of it. Yeah. So, um, I just love this evolution that you're talking about, like how you began teaching women and then began teaching from their hometowns or notable places and are now traveling the world doing it. Um, you often talk about how it is like your sacred duty, right. To wake up women from their like mediocre lives and kind of stepping into their true creative power and expression, which is exactly what you do in poems and power in your membership circle. I'm wondering if you can talk about how, 
you know, since your membership has been increasing in numbers and you're getting more and more women and more and more opportunities, right, to reach more people, how you are, you find yourself able to hold abundance, you know, in the way of like success and power and just, um, you know, money, of course, but like, Abundance in a bigger sense. Yes. Because so many of us, and this is like a topic I'm obsessed with right now, which is like just being able to like hold the energetics of what we talk yeah. about. We totally. talk about, we want the money, the relationship, the clients. We want yeah. all these things. How do we become an energetic match? And so I'm curious what your observations have been in your own life for yeah. that to happen. I have found myself like really, how do I say this? Adjusting. And I, um, quite, quite often when I have a big surge of women come in, it's because I've, um, been in the fetal position crying and had to let go honestly the night before, like before I'm like, I, and now I just know what's happening. I'm like, Oh shit. So I'm, I will feel it happening. So I'll feel like a, like I will feel a huge surge of women coming into the membership and I'll know that I'm going to announce this class tomorrow and it's going to be a really big deal. And I'm going to have a lot of signups and, um, then I will like have to release something typically. Okay. It, that's how it works with me. I it's, it's actually, it's like a sacrifice for me. And whether it's like alcohol, like you cannot drink anymore ever again, or whether it's, um, a a boyfriend, you know, um, you cannot, you cannot see this person again because your work comes first and he's holding you back from your work. That's a very real thing that's happened or whether it's, Yeah. I believe I actually, you know, for me, I, I know for me that I have to sacrifice and people think that things just come and that, um, that it's easy. And that's, it's not how it is for me. For me, I have to step into abundance for what that means for me is to step into alignment. Yeah. And so Whenever I am not aligned, I see my membership drop. Interesting. When I am like energetically, it's actually pretty incredible. And like, I remember the last breakup I had, it wasn't an alignment. And as soon as we broke up, it was a massive surge in my business the next day, like massive, like a ton. And I, so I find that everything in my life is about my own alignment. And as I become more aligned, um, I, that's how I can hold more, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Energy, more, hold more energies, but, um, and yeah. I, um, one question I have is about like, you mentioned like alcohol, like, is that, um, a personal example? Like you've, you've, been shown perhaps that like you need to give it up and then you step into that or is that absolutely and I'll step into it and then I'll go 
to Europe and I'll have a glass of wine. I don't keep it in my house, but I'll go to Europe and I'll like have an amazing dip because you know how much I love food. And I'm like, oh, let's pair this with a glass of wine. And then I'll feel like shit the next day to where I am just in a fog and I can't like, I'm talking about a half glass of wine. I can't even right. do that. Right. And, then, <laughs> and I tried it, you know, and like it just, and it puts me in a fog. It makes it to where I'm not in alignment. It makes it to where I can feel the effects in my work. I can feel the effects in my relationships. Um, and it doesn't, and I'm not like a mean drunk. Like I'm like the flirtiest, happiest, you know, like person with a little bit of alcohol and it's fine, but <laughs> it's actually, but it's actually not because how it right. affects me is it lowers my vibration. And I feel like I can't attract what I can when I'm sober. Do you feel the same? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I'm three and a half years sober and my awareness was not, um, as attuned as yours as, but at the time when I quit, you know, I just was like, Oh, I never like the way I feel. I don't like the way I act. I don't, I waste way too much energy and time thinking about it and like wondering, am I, am I doing this right? Because I don't like it. Like, why, what am I doing? You know? And so I finally was just like, I don't care what people are going to say. I'm just gonna, just gonna not drink right now. And and that's what I'm doing. So, and it's, and I don't, I don't miss it. I really don't at all. I really don't. It's just not worth it for me, but you know, for other people, I really don't know a single person that says that tells me there's not a single person that has told me that alcohol has been good for their life. <laughs> not yes. one has ever told me alcohol is good for my life. Right. And I find that the people that love to drink, yeah, I yeah. notice, I feel the like shakiness of their, um, I don't mean this to sound bad, but like the shakiness of like their integrity, like the, to themselves, like their self-respect. You cannot and, be a- I cannot even be in integrity when I'm drinking. Right. And it's, it's not to say like, oh, you're a mean person or like whatever, you have bad intentions. But I'm just like, oh, I find myself retracting because I'm just like, this is not real. This is like, <laughs> this is just a different reality. I mean, like millennia, everybody knows that, right? Like yeah. that's not, we're not saying anything new. Like everybody has always known you cannot be in integrity when you're drinking. That's what makes it fun. But like, because it's like, oh, this is bad. This is wild. I'm not in integrity. But also, um, yeah, it's just like, I feel like some of us are, you know, called to Mm -hmm. really sacrifice stuff that's fun. Yeah, no, that's a good point. for For a greater purpose. Thank you for sharing that. I've never thought about it that way. Like. Yeah. Never thought like, oh, this is just part of it, <laughs> you know. Like, it, yeah, um, it really is. I feel like, and actually, every person that's doing, and I am not judging because I, like I said, I told you, like, I, I had a hell last week in Amsterdam. I had a glass of wine, so it's like I, you know, but I, it does, it does throw me off my game. And, you know, as long as you know that it's going to throw you off your game, cool, but just know it, you know? And, um, but then when I, you know, like I stop for eight months at a time, I stop for two years at a time. And then it's just like, it's amazing what, um, happens in my life. And so now I'm back. That's what I'm saying. I guess after I got such a clear message after having just like a half glass of wine last week that I'm not, I'm not supposed to drink at all while I'm doing this work. 
Like I have to be completely sober. I can't even have a half glass of wine. And I said, okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for much bigger work than, um, what that means. So. Absolutely. Yeah. You're echoing. I've interviewed a ton of like energy healers and psychics and shaman, you know, and they're all, they all say the same thing. It's like, you have to be a clear channel and that just, that just bogs it all up. I want to move into manifestation. Yes. You talk about how you mix your art with manifestation and that like literally everything you've ever written has come true before. And so I find it fascinating that you're You've written your book and like, that's your beautiful, you know, you've wrapped it with a bow and it's like, you've moved on right to something new. And you've talked before too, about how you no longer complain in your writing. You don't, you're not coming from like an unhealed, like wounded place because that is what will um, manifest. Right. Um, You mentioned you're writing a novel right now. Will you talk a little bit about what you're dreaming up and creating for yourself next? And the things that are coming your way to kind of maybe test you in that process. Mm. You know, I, I am feeling like this whole year has been like, I really, I'm understanding my life in a different way. And Mm -hmm. the best way to describe it is following the good feeling. Like the, like, kind of like the Abraham Hicks, like, but really, really, truly following the good feeling and like, what is good? What is truly good? Um, And I, and it's so simple and it's so easy, but that's what I do. I just, I just keep following the good feeling. And when it feels like light and it feels, and, and I mean, light as in, um, healing, you know, when it feels like it's moving toward healing, when it feels like it's moving toward love, then I'm there. That is mm-hmm. a, that is a full blown. Yes. For me. Um, when it doesn't, when it feels like, um, it's not, it's a waste of my fucking time. And it's a fuck no, like anything that is not following the good feeling. I'm not here for <laughs> like, I'm not. And I'm, and I told you about like a healer woman that I go to Michelle and she, you know, she told me one time and she explained my life back to me, which is so great for us girlfriends to do with each other. But she sat me down and she's like, you know, that you're here just to like, she's like, you've been on earth like millions of times, like you're <laughs> And she's like, you're not from the cosmos. I'm like, I never feel like that. I feel like I'm from, you know, like I love it here. She goes, you probably love it here more than anyone I know loves it here. And she's like, (laughs) that's what you're supposed to do. You're just supposed to love it here. And she's like, you came back just to fuck it up. And like in the best way, like, let's just make everything about art and beauty and poetry and just love this earth. Like, let's just love it. And let's just do everything that feels so good. And let's just really. And I, and she's like, not all of your lives were like that. She's like, but this one, you came back and you're like, I'm just going to have the best time. And that's really, I am, I'm like, kind of, I really am like this lover and muse and poet and I really just want to really, um, really feel good. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so when I do that, when I, it's so simple, but when I follow like, oh my God, when this, this feels good, I'm going to do that. Then it just leads to more good every time. And so my, yeah, that's, that's my plan. My plan is to follow. The- <laughs> it's so, it's such a beautiful instruction manual for all of us. I mean, it's like so simple and it's just like something we have to relearn somehow. Like later in life, you're like, Oh, right. Like I should stop doing that thing that I don't like. Like, let's just do things I do like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember like, I remember feeling last year waking up one day and being like, Oh my God, it doesn't feel good to be with this person. Like how mm. often do you actually check in at the end of the day and say, this part of my day felt really good. Like talking yes. to you on the like this feels so good and aligned and like, and then maybe like another part of my day, you know, like, Oh, then from 12 to one, wow. I really constricted, you know, like what was I doing around that time when I felt really constricted and like, Oh, that's out, not doing that anymore. And so like really reflecting on our lives, it's so simple, but it's like, you know, and it's like, sometimes it's the people who were supposed to feel good around that we actually don't feel good around. And it takes us months to realize that instead of just right. taking the first time, like I was constricted for two hours with this person, you know? Yes, totally. I know. And sometimes I feel like that awareness, we're either like not ready for it or we don't want to face it subconsciously or whatever it is. And you're right. right. It unlocks like so much and life can just move quicker once we accept like this is happening. I need to make a change. Yeah. And, yeah, and accepting the wisdom of our bodies. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. My body's always right. My body doesn't feel good around this person or my body exactly. doesn't feel around doing this activity or whatever it is. It's like, oh, got yeah. it. Right. Chelsea, you have so much going on right now. So many exciting projects and things. Will you talk to us about what you're currently offering to people that want to get involved or learn more from you? Yes. So I, I just, I'm just a one-stop shop. All I have is I have a membership and it's, um, poems and power and it's $88 a month. That's every class I've ever taught and every class, um, live that I will be teaching. And you can go and you can binge watch all of them and stay for a month and cancel, or you can, some people stay forever. And I, um, yeah, that's, that's what I do. And I'm going to be teaching a class this um, Sunday on how to be big, like really big, how to man spread in your life, how to use, like how to all caps it, you know, how to like, how to take up your worthy space and move through the world with the kind of energy and the kind of love that um, we, our higher selves already are. Like we already are this deep down in, right? Like how to like really be that. And so um, I'm really excited about that one. (laughs) This is like a new idea that just popped up. Totally. I was like, I think we need a class on this. Yes. You're like, let's do it. (laughs) Excellent. And where can we all find you? Um, So there, my website is great. My Instagram poems and peonies are my, if you want to check out my membership, it's uh, chelseadiane.com slash poems and power. Chelsea, thank you so much for your time and for being here. I trust that women are going to be loving what we're talking about and just loving you even more. Thank you so much, Emily. I just absolutely, I mean, it felt like a big hug. 
Learn more about Chelsea in the show notes below. And you can learn more about me over at healing underscore corner underscore podcast on Instagram or at healingcorner.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review and hit subscribe to follow along. Thanks for being here and see you next time.